for our message this morning from the book of Job. And there is a Bible for you located in the seat in front of you there. Uh, but you're welcome to look at the verse on the screen, Job 3.25. It's a verse we've referenced from time to time. But I do feel led to uh, uh, use it this morning and spring from that passage and look at Job's life um, after he makes this statement. I'll read it. You follow along, please. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for your help, your favor. We pray that you would direct our thoughts this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us as only you can. And I pray that your work and your will would be accomplished. Please guide and direct our words and thoughts. And the title of the message is When That Happens. Job makes a statement here. He says, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come to pass. I've often wondered what that was that Job was referencing. Uh, Job went through an unbelievable season. By the way, about Job, (coughs) just in kind of background, God said there wasn't anybody like him. So Job was up here in terms of his character and integrity. Integrity is actually the biblical word that's used to describe him. Um, But uh, the Bible says about Job that he was one that feared God and eschewed evil. That means he, uh, he fled it. Uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't want any part of it. Um, he would make statements about his character and integrity throughout, even as he was confronted and challenged by his three friends. And he would come back to them and tell them that they were miserable comforters. Miserable comforters are ye all, is what Job said to them. God vindicated Job, and God uh, blessed Job in a miraculous way. <laughs> But in this particular instance, whether, whether it was the, the physical suffering, the anguish of his body being racked, I, I don't know. Because we know that he was covered with a loathsome sores, boils as it were from the soles of his feet to the crown of his brow. And he was in such agony, not just physically, but I think in soul, that he stripped him of his garment, which was a common custom, and clothed himself in nothing but sackcloth and ashes. And he took... It took like we would do, uh, it would be like pottery or stones, and he began to scrape the, the just incredible agony that he was in, and he had no relief. The grief was so great that his three friends sat with him for seven days and never said a word. And by the way, just in, in parenthetical, if you don't know what to say to someone who's going through a tough time, sometimes it's best to be silent. There's nothing wrong with that. Those were three good men, three good friends who said nothing. And if you don't have words, try not to find some and make something up and feel like you have to say something. Because sometimes we'll be clumsy and say something that just doesn't make sense or doesn't provide any comfort. So if you don't know what to say, it is best to say nothing or just tell somebody, I'm praying for you. I'm sorry. You don't have to try to offer a word of explanation because sometimes there aren't any. But nonetheless, Job goes through this physical, his soul, he goes through the loss of his children. He goes through the loss of all of his possessions, and one day, boom, his entire world is turned upside down. And so what I want to try to do this morning is to help us for that moment when that happens. And really kind of what our, what our church has gone through in recent days with the passing of Andy, I still expect in many in many ways for him to walk through the door at any time. 
you know, two weeks ago, he was sitting here on the platform with us, and everything was in motion for the future and all of that. And it still is, but God had a different plan. Those don't always make sense to us. But with God's help, let's look at, uh, and I want to look only at the Scripture from Job. So we're going to look at a few verses. So if you've got your Bibles open to Job, you can turn rather quickly to each of these verses. I will probably put them on the screen here for you. But I want us to uh, look at a guy that God said, nobody like him. And what did he do when his that happens? And whether this was, is your that or it's <coughs> something else, maybe this message will be something you'll tuck away for some time down the road. Let's pray again. Lord, help us, please, guide and direct our words and thoughts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in chapter number 1, verse 22, and all this Job sin not, nor charge God foolishly. I think one of the greatest lessons you can learn from him, number one, is this right here. He did not blame God. That's our first reaction because, and by the way, it's normal. Mary and Martha, Lazarus died. What did they say? Directly to Jesus. So if you think, man, this thing, something doesn't make sense to me, you're not unique. Because when, I, when Tony and I got a phone call from Jennifer after 4 o'clock that morning, I was praying out loud the whole way to the church here. Jesus, no. Lord, no. I mean, I was crying it out from my heart. But that wasn't God's plan. And so when God chose to do something different, I don't have any right to say to God who's sovereign, God who is holy, God who does all things well. The Bible says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so if Job was that character that God would put on a pedestal so much that he would challenge Satan regarding his life and character, and we're talking about pretty heavy stuff here, and God would say, consider my servant Job, there's nobody like him, one that fears me and one that eschews or runs from evil. His, His integrity was unparalleled. And God said about Job in this particular passage, Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is from God. God said this. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I'm going to tell you something. When that happens, whatever that is in your life, don't make the mistake that the heathen do and put God on trial and blame Him. Because God is is not removed from your life, but don't hold Him to blame for tragedy and difficulties and adversities that happen in our life. I use the example, Mary and Martha. Here they were. They were probably in Bethany there. They probably had as close a relationship, humanly speaking, as anybody did other than the disciples. And they said to him, when he shows up, Lazarus is dead. We know from the biblical account that they thought he's probably already stinking because he's been dead, entombed, wrapped in a grave clothes, burial cloth for a period of days. And they said to him, If you had been here, and I don't think it was necessarily accusatory, it was the wail of a broken heart saying to, you could have fixed this, you could have changed this, you could have stopped this, you could have prevented this. And every one of you, when your that happened, the first response, the natural response, God could have intervened. Mary Martha said it. 
And you, when you have that moment, for our church probably, we've never faced anything like this. We've gone through things, but nothing quite like this. And so you might want to say, but God, you could have. Yes, he could have. But he chose not to. And I'm not going to try to figure out God. I grapple with so much in Scripture. I can't figure out the Trinity. I believe it. But I can't sit here and say, well, this is exactly how it all plans out. And I can't tell you what God is doing at any given moment. See, God is a big picture of God. He's dealing with billions of people on this planet and untold probably hundreds of millions who are born-again believers. And when the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good, it's always plural in that passage, Romans 8, 28, for them. That's the collective. That's the corporal sense. And while God does things that I scratch my head about, I'm like this, compared to a sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, holy, just, righteous God. So what do you do when that happens? Well, I'll tell you the first thing. Job did. He didn't blame God. Second, Job chapter number 6, and this could have been a very lengthy list. I I chose just a few. Job chapter 6, verse number 8. Oh, that I might have my request and that God would grant me the thing that I long for. The second thing is when Job went to God in prayer, he knew that God was in control. Because he said, God, I'm coming to you because I know that nobody can remedy, nobody can relieve, nobody can comfort. So, so God, I'm coming to you alone. So the second thing you got to realize, when, when your that happens, number one, I'm not going to blame God. Number two, God is still in charge, and God is on the throne, and God is in control. And when your that happens, if it's a, if it's a loss of a relationship, if it's a, if it's, if it's a loss of a loved one, if it's the loss of finances, if it, any number of things, because that happens, man, that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We're born to trouble as the sparks fly upward, the Bible tells us. He knew God's in charge. We say that all the time. But boy, when moments like this come in your life, and when it hits you, whatever your that is, you kind of wonder, is he distantly removed? It's, it's like people that, that ascribe to theistic evolution, which is that God created the heavens and the earth and he took off. <laughs> and he let things to kind of run their natural course. But the psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Because God is uniquely involved in each and every one of your lives. He knows everything that is happening, everything that has happened, and everything that will happen from now till eternity. He knows. He's in charge, and he is in control. And you know, when you, when you realize that, you know, sometimes I, I say this to my wife many times, we'll have this discussion. You know, one of the first things I do, I've, I've said it before, is I look at the finances every Monday to see how the giving was. Because, you know, we have mortgages. What mortgage? singular. We have bills and all of that. We have missionaries, dozens of them across the country and around the world that we support. First thing I do is check it out. But I, I told my wife the other day, I said, you know what? That's really, not, I, and I realize that God has made me the overseer, the shepherd, if you will. I understand that. But, but really, not my church, not my mortgage. Hallelujah. <laughs> really, that's, you know, they're not my missionaries. They're his. Now, it doesn't mean that I still don't fret about them sometimes, but every once in a while, it's like God smacks me in the head and says, hey, this is mine. The earth 
is the Lord's and the fullness therein. It's not just a little song. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He really does. And sometimes you think, well, if he does, could he give me a little bit? You know? But, but God, first of all, does not deserve to be blamed when your that happens. Because Job did. And the second thing that you have to grasp is God's in charge. God is in I can remember as a boy growing up, sometimes I'd wonder, hey, how's this going to pan out? How's this going to work? But I always knew dad had it. I remember when I was a kid and I saw my dad writing checks, I thought, man, is that all you got to do? I really remember that. I remember one time when, it, when he was going to the, to the car dealer and um, he, was, he was looking at a vehicle and I thought, Dad, I said it to Dad. You know, here I am right here. I don't, I don't know any better. You know, I've got the wisdom of a child, right? I said, Dad, just write a check. You know, you got a whole book there, man. What's the deal? Take that one, that one, that one, you know, take your pick. It, but, but now, obviously he couldn't do that because I understand a little bit more that there has to be something behind that to give it credibility. But I knew that dad was in control. I, I didn't wonder. I, I knew dad was in control. I never went to sleep at night wondering what was going to happen in the morning. I never wondered, was there going to be, uh, am I going to have clothes or going to have food? We did, you know, and there were a lot of times when I was the third of five, and so a lot of times I got my brothers who got uh, my brothers, and, and I got them by, by the third time. They needed some, some patching done. So I, I can remember all of that, but I, but I always knew Somebody else was in control, not my problem. And I don't mean that to distance myself from it. I mean to give me relief that I don't have to blame him. And secondly, God is in control. Whatever your that is, know this. God is in control. Thirdly, is there not appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? Job knew this. He knew that man's time is appointed. When Andy left this life two weeks ago tonight, that was his appointment. You sit there and scratch your head and say, well, what about this? What about this? Could he, could he, that, that's what we do. You all have played that mental game with every problem that's come your way. Every one of us have. Come on, don't leave me hanging. We've sat there and said, well, maybe this, well, maybe this. If I, if I could have done this, or I, I made this differently, if I'd have done this differently, whatever your that is, you play that game. And I'll tell you, by the way, you never win that game. You never win that game. I can tell you right now, I don't care what your that is, you don't win that game. What about, what about maybe, no, no, no. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. The wonderful thing about Andy's passing is that he spent his entire life preparing for that appointment. So, man, I'll tell you, man, I, I, I still, it's two weeks, but I still, still have waves that hit me, and I break down, and I'm a, I'm a slobbering, blobbering fool. But I don't want to blame God, because God is in control and the third thought is, he had an appointment. I didn't know it was then. I know this, you've got one. I've got one. Because everyone that's ever drawn a breath is going to leave this life. I pray it's by way of rapture. I hate pain. I don't want, you know, I just, I just don't, I, you know, some of you say, how do you want to go? 
And I, you know, from all indications, Andy probably went pretty, pretty quick. But I, you know, I don't know when it is. You know, I, at 57, and Andy was 45, and I, I'm thinking, man, if one of us was going to go, I'd have thought me. But that was his appointment. And here's the thing, you don't know when yours is. You can't prepare then. You got to prepare now. My wife and I were in Boston a number of years ago, and we were off the, right off the, uh, how many have been to Boston? You know, you, Boston Common Area, you know, the, you got the Freedom Trail and all that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a little cemetery right off Boston Common, and there's a, I'm a guy that likes to read those epitaphs on some of those older um, tombstones. And there was one on there by a captain in the Revolutionary War. His name was John DeCoster. And on the tombstone, it reads, Stop, my friend, and cast an eye. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death to follow me. I've thought about that so many times over the years, how, how pointed that really is. Because you, you know what today is? Today is your preparation. It's like you got to get ready. You got an appointment for the doctor. They're doing a procedure. They're going to tell you this, what you got to do ahead of time. You got to do this. You can't eat, you know, after 11 o'clock at night. You got to do this. And and here's where you got to be and all all that stuff. You get it all ready. You cross every dot and T. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to leave this life. And you have an appointment. And you don't know when it is. I don't say that to frighten you. I say it to prepare you. Because you must know. Job said, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to blame God. God's in control. And the third thing is man's time is appointed. I really got to hustle here. Notice this. He said, Job chapter 7, verse number 6. If you have your Bibles open, you're welcome to look at it as well. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Job knew this. His time was brief. He knew he wasn't going to be around forever. What is your life? The Bible says it's, it's but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, I, I think I have years in front of me. I hope to. My wife and I want to serve here as long as we're able to. That's, that, that's what I want to do. But I know this. I've said it many times, and one of you wrote me a note, and you, you put it in there. I, I say it often. You'd be here today and gone today. You have no promise about it. What, it. what is your life? I can tell you this, it's brief. I think I got my entire life in front of you. We all think that. That's why it's incumbent upon us to make sure that every moment, every day, we're spending it wisely. Not investing for down here. You're not taking anything with you. The very best you can ever hope to do is send it ahead. The Bible tells us that, lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. So we knew he didn't blame God. He knew that God was in control. He knew that man's time was appointed and he knew that his time was brief. Then may I say this, man that is born of woman, Job 14, 1, is of few days and full of trouble. He knew that life is full of trouble. Job knew life's tough. There's every single person in here this morning, if I ask you to write down a problem you're facing right now, the prominent response would be just one. How many you want? And it could be any number of things. It could be physical. It could be emotional. 
could be relationship, financial, any, any number of things. That's life. And it's not to excuse it or gloss it over and say, nobody's concerned about your problems. Just say, it's life. Life's tough. You know, Joe, what is it you say? Getting old's not for sissies. Yeah. You know, you know I'm, I, my wife hands me a bottle the other day and asks me, can you read this? And I'm thinking, how bad is this? Neither one of us can read it. You know, and they, and they put that stuff so tiny. I mean, it was small when I was a kid. It's microscopic now. You know, my arm's not long enough or it's not short enough. I don't know what the deal is. Life is full of trouble. He didn't blame God. He knew God was in control. He knew that man's time was appointed. He knew his time was brief. And he knew that life was full of trouble. By the way, the Bible tells us that surely he hath borne our sorrows. That means that everything that you're going to face in this life, God's already carried it. We wrestle with grief. We wrestle with wounds. It's really true when we say God's got this, it means He does. I'm talking to people that have gone through some things in this year, recent weeks and months, and maybe nobody in here even knows about it, but God does. I'm going to tell you this today, when, when that's your that and that happens, it is part of life. But it's also this assurance that God has carried that already. You may be lugging it around, and I may be lugging it around, but the fact is God said, I took care of that. Long before it ever crossed your window, I was carrying it already. What a great comfort it is to the child of God. He knew that life was full of trouble. Job chapter 10 My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint unto myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. You know what he's saying here? A couple things in that verse. I'm going to leave it up there. First of all, he knew that it was normal to despair. Two things in that verse. Notice that. Look at it at the screen there. Number one, my soul is weary of my life. Job said, I don't even want to live anymore. One of the greatest men that ever walked the planet. By the way, his end was better than this moment right now. But at this moment, he says, in the middle of his that, I don't even want to draw my next breath. His despair goes into such great lengths. He said it was, it was a bad day when they heralded that a man-child was born. The, the day of my birth, it would have been better that I never was born than to have faced what I'm facing now. I got to tell you folks this morning, that's intense grief. But I will also tell you this, if this godly man could say that, don't be shocked when you feel it. And the second part, he didn't even want to talk to God about it. Because you know God's already spoken on the matter. And it doesn't mean that you're angry it just means God's opinion has already been given. He's already declared, and forgive me, but Andy's gone. He's in heaven now. He's having the time of his life. He's never been better. But right now, there's that, that, that hole that we're trying to fix and fill and putty. And so right now, we, we, we realize almost, if I can say this without sounding sacrilegious, it's almost like it's no good to talk to God. He's already spoken about it. He's already declared. 
So Job says, my soul is weary of life. I will leave my complaint unto myself. Now, I realize he's probably talking also about his partners who were there who've been miserable comforters. But he also said, who am I going to tell? Who will understand? Who can I share with? Because even when you're that happens, though, you know someone who went through something similar, they're not you. And your that is a little bit different with all of its intricacies. And so, we find ourselves sometimes in absolute despair. I'll tell you this, it's not a good place to stay because Job didn't stay there but it is normal to visit for a child of God. If somebody says to you in a flippant way, just get over it, one, they're probably trying to help you, and they're just one of those people who are miserable comforters. And if somebody says foolishly, I understand, and you're thinking in the back of your mind, you have no idea, how could you even say that to me? Why? They're trying to offer something, but the fact is, you're despairing. When your that comes, whatever that is, a divorce, loss of a loved one, breakdown of a relationship, any number of things, when that happens, it's very normal. This dude, in the annals of the faith, he is a somebody. And this is him talking. And the Holy Spirit is allowing it to be penned for you and me. And he says, I don't even want to talk to anybody. I'm just hunkered down in my soul and my anguish and my hurt is so intense. I can't share it and I don't think it'd do any good anyway. When your that happens, it's very normal to despair. Job did. Job chapter 12, two chapters later, in between the speaking of some of his friends, who knoweth not in all these things that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? It's a rhetorical question in response to his friends, and he's acknowledging Two chapters before, he says, I don't even want to talk to God, but now he's understanding God's got this and God's got you. Whatever your that is, God's got you. As a child of God, do you realize what it means that when when God says that no one can pluck you out of his hand? Do you realize that as a child of God? Listen to me. You got saved, boom, here you went into the hand of God. Think about who God is. He spoke the worlds into existence. He picked a clump of dirt and he breathed into that clump of clay and man became a living soul. He performed the first surgery by taking a rib out of Adam's side and formed a woman. He spoke the world into existence. And the moment you trusted him as savior, he grabbed you out of the clutches of hell, placed you in his hand and grabbed you. And then he took his other hand that framed the heavens and the earth and wrapped it there. Who is going 
to get you. Nobody. Some of us walk around sometimes and we think, well, I don't know, I, I just don't feel safe. I just don't know how it's all going to turn out. Why do you, I, it's, it's overwhelming and it's all against me. So, so when you hear me say from time to time, God's got this and God's got you, hey, listen, buddy, this is you. That's you. That's me. And Job is sitting back, and all of things, things have come to him, and he says, well, I'll tell you this about God. The hand of the Lord is in this. When you can say that about your that, then you can move. That's what Job did. Then notice. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will attain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. For an hypocrite shall not come before him. Two thoughts in those last two verses. He also shall be my salvation. Number one, or the next to the last thought of these two thoughts. He knew that God was his Savior. I don't understand what God is doing most of my life. I can go back to simple things, but I know this. Paul said it this way, I know whom I have believed. And I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day when that happens. I I don't know if I'm going to leave this life in financially good shape. I hope so for my wife and children if God takes me first. But I know this. I know whom I have believed. And I know that he is able to keep because he's my Savior. That's why the Word of God reminds us we sorrow not as them who have no hope. See, I, we're able to preach this morning because of that great word hope. Hope. It's not something imagined, it's real. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly, that means completely, lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Job makes this this statement in these closing two verses here, and he knew that God was his Savior. And then he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He knew this, and I'll close with this thought. He knew that he would still be trusting God. You see, because he never put God on trial. 
You see, my trust and my faith is not based on how good things are today. Because today, in your life, you'll go through a that moment when that happens. And the God that you trust when money's in the bank is the God that you trust when you're not sure there's food on your table. The God that you trust when your marriage is riding high is the same God that you trust when things are rocky and uncertain. The God that you trust when you embrace that child for the very first time is the same God you trust when you pray if that child goes astray. God does not change. The Bible says, I, the Lord, change not. Job said, in spite of this, that moment, I'm just going to keep trusting. You know, some of us do it about trivial things. Every year when my team's season rolls around, I think they got a shot. You know? You know what? I told my wife last night, you know, as we were talking about somebody and their affection towards the team, and I said, face it, my team's 1-11, 1-11 in the NFL. I hope they lose the rest. Going for the draft pick. Come on, baby. But I told my wife, I said, you know something about us? If you're, if you're a legitimate fan, if the Bengals were on TV, and they'll probably be on TV somewhere, three channels, three stations, three people in America will probably be watching them. But if they were on out here, I would have DVR'd that bad boy. You say, why? It's my team. Yeah, but they're 1-11. I don't care. It's my team. Yeah, but they lead the league in every awful stat there is. Yeah, but they're mine. But I can tell you this. I serve a risen Savior who's in the world today, and I know that he is living no matter what men may say. And so I can tell you this, the God that I trusted to save me is the God that I trust when that happens. And I don't know what your that is, but I know you'll have one. And when it comes, take it from one of the best Christians that ever lived. I will Still, trust him. Bad news from a doctor, I still trust him. Loss of a loved one, I still trust him. Loss of health, no, I still trust him. Loss of finances, no. Disappointment, no. I still trust What do you do when that happens? Lessons from the life of one of the greatest men who ever lived, Job. What did he do? When he gets to the end, the last chapters of Job, God says this about him. It worked out better in the end, even though he couldn't see it. God blessed him twice as much as he did during his early days. Job would say, when I am tried, when I am purified, I shall come forth as gold. He just trusted him. What do you do when that happens? Shall we stand? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.